0: Hello, I'm Paula Jenkins, a transformative life coach and retreat leader. Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that talks about the stories of people following their hearts, finding work that lights them up, and looking at how joy plays a part in their journey. To learn more about this podcast, head on over to jumpstartyourjoy.com. And if you want to find out more about me, you can go to my website at paulajenkinsonline.com. Welcome back. To episode 2 of Jumpstart Your Joy. First, I want to thank you all for the awesome and wonderful comments that you have left about the first episode with Kathleen Davies. It has been just so amazing to hear from so many of you by both leaving comments on the site at jumpstartyourjoy.com but also connecting with you guys over Instagram and Facebook and some emails. It's just really been amazing the outpouring of of wonderful feedback that you've left so thank you so much from the bottom of my heart another piece of exciting news is that jumpstart your joy is of course on itunes So if you are coming to this podcast via the website, jumpstartyourjoy.com, please head on over to iTunes where you can subscribe and have this podcast delivered to your device on a weekly basis as it becomes available, which will be every Tuesday. And if you're coming from iTunes, welcome. There is a site that accompanies this podcast, and it's at jumpstartyourjoy.com. Today, on episode 2, we are talking to Dr. Amy Avazadeh. She is just amazing and I think you are going to love this podcast. If you will stay tuned to the very end, she has been gracious enough to give Jumpstart Your Joy listeners a free code to go to one of the two egg freezing parties that she is hosting during the week of September 14th. She has two parties coming up. So stay tuned to the very end to grab that code if it's of interest and you are curious about going to an egg freezing party. This episode is being brought to you by the Dream Into Action Retreat. It's a three-day retreat running November 13th through 15th in Northern California with myself, Michelle Ward, the When I Grow Up coach, and Earl Rivard, who is a working musician. We have room for 33 people to join us, as we help you define your creative dream, whether that be blogging, writing, starting a new business, working on an Etsy shop, singing or dancing, or any number of things. We'll help you face down the fears that are holding you back, and create a game plan to bring your dream into action. To register for our free webinar on September 29th, which is gonna be five ways to bring your dream into action, text the word READY, R-E-A-D-Y, to 66866. And now, Without further ado, I bring you the interview with Dr. Amy. Welcome, Dr. Amy. And so Dr. Amy uh, is an infertility specialist, has the nickname the egg whisperer, um, and also is... The host of the egg freezing party. So, welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy.
1: Thank you, Paula. I'm excited to be a part of what you're trying to do as well. And I've been following you on Instagram, and you're definitely inspiring me every day to be my very best.
0: Oh, thank you, and likewise. So we we can start with some of the basic questions, and then jump into wherever the spirit takes us.
1: Yeah, love
0: it. Let's start start with kind of the childhood question. Like, what did you love most in school, or like, what were your early sparks of joy?
1: I mean, I think always helping people in science. And I was that kid who would go on the camping trips, who would bring their first aid kit with them. Because, you know, if someone got hurt, I wanted to run to their rescue so I could help them. You know, I knew that I was going to be a doctor by the age of three. I don't know why three, but I just knew it. But obviously having, you know, my dad, family members, my grandpa, all his physicians clearly paved the way for me. So, you know, growing up, my dad used to drop me off on labor and delivery and sit with the nurses and I could hear him delivering babies. And then as I got older, I could see him doing it. So I was inspired by the relationship he had with his patients, what he was doing. We were always hearing about it at the dinner table. For me, it was like the only language that I knew. I mean, I would say taking anatomy and physiology in high school, volunteering on labor and delivery, being a candy striper. I volunteered at two hospitals growing up um, in our community and it just further fueled my fire for wanting to continue wanting to help people learn more about how I could actually do that and what role I would play in people's lives.
0: That's amazing I, I think I love it when people just know like mm-hmm. I know I've always wanted to help people I have never it, it's been a longer road for someone like me because mm-hmm. I haven't been sure of what that meant and so it was kind of like this daisy chain of events to get to them I love leading retreats. I love working with people and hearing their stories. And so it's been this this unfolding of things to mm-hmm. see where that's led me. So right. I'm sure your story is that way somewhat as well, though. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, was there a moment, you said when you were three, uh, that you... I don't
1: know why three. I mean, just yeah. from a very young age. And I just knew I wanted to do ob And then my mother suffered several miscarriages in middle school and so my mom's a very tough she's an immigrant to this country she never cries she's you know everything's about just doing your best and and being your best every single day and never looking back with regret and so when I used to hear her howling crying sobbing in the middle of the night and I knew it was because she had lost her pregnancies and every single time I would just hear the pain that she was in I basically said to myself that's it I'm gonna help women who have pregnancy loss and that's what fertility doctors do a lot of pregnancy loss is related to, you know, egg quality and the eggs. So I knew she was older when she was going through pregnancies. I know one of them was actually chromosomally normal, and she had an undiagnosed thyroid condition. So my passion for not only fertility has, is a very personal thing. Because I, want, I, I think people think as long, unfortunately, we don't talk enough about miscarriage and loss, and people think that just because you have a miscarriage means that you can get pregnant, so that's a good thing. But it's a medical condition, and I do think that it requires evaluation by someone like me, or, you know, an ob Joanne or fertility-minded doctor, fertility specialist, who can look into why you're having a miscarriage, why you're having multiple losses, to see what they can do to prevent it from happening again.
0: Well, and and how amazing that there there was such an early event Mm -hmm. and it's so love filled, right? Like it was your own mother and you love her so much, but also then digging in and figuring out the hows and whys of things.
1: Yeah. And we actually, she never talked about it. We only recently started talking about it because I asked her permission. I said, people are asking me why I went into this and this is the reason. Are you okay with me talking publicly? And she said, I'm okay with it. But we never then talked about it. You know, she's like, I'm okay with it. And that kind of ended the discussion there. I would say that women with loss sometimes suffer in silence and they feel guilt like it's something that they did wrong. But we know that when it comes to fertility, it's totally out of our control. And to be, feel blame and shame for something that's out of your control just makes me really sad. And then um in college, I actually, every summer, would fly to Boston um, and do research for the Recurrent Pregnancy Loss Center in, at Harvard, and I even got a scholarship for the research that I did, so they would fund part of my um, research and my travels and all that kind of stuff. So from so I can continue to just figure out, okay, what can I do to help women with loss? And then you know, obviously medical school, residency, fellowship, it all kind of just came together from there.
0: Yeah. Wow. I love I love Boston and how exciting to go to Harvard. Did you yeah, love
1: it there? I did. It was it was great. I didn't quite enjoy the snow, but you know when you're inside <laughs> most of the day. Yes. Um, I'll, I'll never forget the first day it snowed when I was there. I was wearing my scrubs, and I had my clogs on, and then it snowed, and I was like, Oh my god, how the heck am I gonna get home? I don't have a jacket. I don't have snow boots. And I literally <laughs> walked home in the snow. I probably looked like the biggest moron. But that's what I get being from California. You know, <laughs> I learned my lesson the hard way.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I also went back east for grad school. I went to uh, Yale. Uh, it was such a different, everything about it, I, I'm not claiming I'm legally blonde, but it, there was something about that movie that then I was like, yeah, they just don't really get me. And I'm no, no. probably looking different. silly. Yeah. yeah. yeah, But yeah, a good balance, too, from, uh, I went to UC Santa Barbara, mm-hmm. but totally mm-hmm. interesting balance. Yeah. I mean, you touched a little bit about how infertility work is demanding since you see both sides of both joy and loss. Mm -hmm. Are you open to talking a little bit about how that affects you as a person? Absolutely.
1: So um, I am now on my 1.5 year anniversary of losing 60 pounds. A lot of people don't know that about me. So, um, you know, my job is extremely demanding. It's emotionally charged. It's not unicorn puppy dogs and rainbows every single day. People think, oh, your job must be so much fun. You just get to tell people that they're pregnant all the time. And it's like, no, I tell people they've miscarried. I have to just, you know, hold their hand. I have to do procedures to remove miscarriage, you know, patients who've had miscarriages. I have to tell someone that, you know, last week she had twins and this week they're gone. You know, it's like, and then I you know, one room, I walk in and I have to share the joy of someone finding out they're pregnant for the first time. And then I have to go do a surgery where I'm removing a pregnancy that's 14 weeks. You know what I mean? So it's, it's demanding. And I would say that, um, I, it's taken a lot for me to finally get to this point because before I would get home and I would internalize it, I would cry a lot and I would take it out on myself because I would eat a lot. You know, I was emotionally, it was the way that I would deal with the pain that my patients Uh, we're dealing with. So that's how I was, I would help myself is by eating. And, um, and, you know, I got to over 200 pounds, over 220. And my staff actually coordinated an intervention for me. My PA did, God bless her. And she said, Amy, we're, it's time for an intervention. We can't see you doing this to yourself anymore. So they basically said, we're going to make your breakfast, lunch and dinner for you. They did that for literally three months. And then um, it kind of just trained me and it, it almost, I don't know what it did, but that light switch, it's like it was on and now it's off. So I feel so much stronger than ever. I feel that I, like I'm better equipped than ever to help patients through whatever issues they're going through because I am where I am today. I'm stronger than I've ever been. I know I'll never go back. I know that weight is never going to come back on because I just don't deal with um, the, the stress of my job in the same way. And I can also be a role model for my patients because patients come in, they're like, you were over 200 pounds. I'm like, yeah, I was. I'm 60 pounds lighter than I was a year and a half ago. And they're like, oh, but it's because you had kids. And I'm like, no, it really wasn't. Just because you had a kid doesn't mean you have to gain 60 pounds and you know, and gain some more. So I'm really happy that I can share that with people. And then you, you, you see that I'm I wear a Fitbit every day. And so I have mm-hmm. patients um, who are overweight get Fitbits, and then they friend me on the app, and then we motivate each other every day to help each other continue to be active.
0: I love the Fitbit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm wearing one right now too. I feel like that to make it kind of gameable helps me to, to keep moving. Like there's something about it that's motivating that I can see. Uh, right, I'll have to we'll have to friend each yeah, other. <laughs> exactly. And thank you for
1: sharing that. Congratulations oh, on you. on. The weight loss. Yeah. I mean, I'm in pictures a lot right now, and you can't find a single picture of me prior. In between, like, probably 2008 and 2014, you probably won't be able to find a single picture of me taken anywhere Mm -hmm. because I just wasn't in pictures. I wouldn't allow anyone to take a picture of me. You know, you don't see any news stories about me, and I think what's great is every, like all the energy that I had, you know, I've always had these ideas for egg freezing party and egg whisper, but it's like, I finally had the emotional energy to, and, you know, obviously appearing a certain way helped me be able to be out in the spotlight.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's really interesting because after after my own birth, mm-hmm. and that was a difficult one, I'll, I'll just dive in there, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know I had a lot of trouble. Um, it, it was 56 hours and then an emergency C-section. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. And after that, uh, um, a diagnosis of actually PTSD, So yeah. because I was so stressed out by the whole thing. And I know I, I also went back to food. Food was a comfort. Exactly. Especially peanut butter and chocolate was spot on when I needed. And it's hard. It's so hard to find your way back out of that. When, when you realize you're in a place that's so hard and you're coping in a way, maybe I think I knew that it wasn't that healthy for me, but then to get back out was, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it's, it's an effort. So um, I love that your staff came to you from a place of love and just said, how do we help? Like, that's gorgeous. Right. Um, So yeah. Thank you for sharing that. What other kind of self care have you found to be helpful when you, um, you know, when you're, you're either feeling drained or you need to to get back
1: into like an energized state? I mean, I say I would say that I talk to my husband a lot. He's an emergency physician, so see, he sees things um, kind of similar to me that are stressful, and he deals with saving people's lives, and so he can kind of relate to what I go through, because he never knows what he's going to get when he goes to work, and I don't know either what kind of phone calls I'm going to get or what's going to happen. So he's a huge a huge source of support and also my mom. My mom's my rock. So if, if I'm having a bad day and I talk to her, she just makes me feel better and grounded and gives me a little bit more energy so that I can start my next day feeling better. But, um, yeah, I mean, self-care-wise, I think just surrounding myself with my family as soon as I get home always makes me feel better no matter what's going on in my day. But I'm not one of those that goes to the spa or goes... <laughs> <laughs> to, I don't do spa days I don't you know um, one day maybe but right now I just love I love my job so much I just work hard I play hard when I get home
0: I think there's something so remarkable about finding that career or the job that you love yeah. because then it can feel like play sometimes yeah. I mean obviously there's hard parts to every job right but yeah I love that you've found that would you explain for uh, the audience uh, what an egg-freezing party is and where you got the inspiration for it?
1: Yeah, so egg-freezing party is basically, it's literally a fertility seminar. It's as simple as that. It's a PowerPoint presentation given by me. I'm a fertility doctor. And the where it came from was, uh, you know, when I started my practice in 2008, I said, you know, I should go out and talk to colleges. I should educate women because I'm seeing all these women over 40 and they're so surprised that they're not fertile anymore. And I'm like, I don't understand. What are we? Do- what kind of disservice are we doing to women where they show up at 40 and think that as long as they CrossFit and eat vegan, they can get pregnant easily? But no one wanted to talk to me. Like, you know, telling a, someone who's in their 20s, talking to them about fertility, it's like all they want to do is prevent themselves from getting pregnant. And they're worried about sexually transmitted infections, right? So it's not top of mind for them. And then what's trending now, especially in the last couple of years, are these parties where people invite you to their jewelry party. You, probably, you, know, you know what I'm talking about, like Stella, Della, oh, yeah. Arbonne, you know, all those kinds of things. And I have lots of friends that, you know, and they invite me to these parties. But when I go, I find that it just turns into a fertility seminar for me where women are asking me questions about their fertility because they know what I do for work. And then after so many of these parties, I was like, why would I have to go to a jewelry party, just talk to people about fertility? And I don't want people to sell me jewelry. You know, I just want to hang out with my friends. <laughs> yeah, and I said, why don't I just throw a party, something that I love to, and do something that I love, which is talk about fertility. So I literally just went online. I was like, oh, Egg Freezing Party was available as a domain name. I'm like, I'm going to buy it. I buy it, bought it from a cyber squatter for um, $7,000. I called my mom. And I said, what do you think? She said, of all the bozo ideas you've ever had, this one, I think, might have legs. I'm like, okay. So I bought it. Literally, literally, like one week later, Facebook and Apple came out with their announcement about covering egg freezing. like, that is so weird. Like, what are the chances? And the guy I bought it from was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I sold it to you for only $7,000. You must have had inside information. I'm like, I really didn't. And then that night, it was October 14th, I think, I got a call from Fox News. And they wanted me to just talk about what I thought about the Facebook-Apple announcement. Mm-hmm. And as I was talking to the reporter, I said, you know, by the way, I just bought eggfreezingparty.com. And then before I can even finish my sentence, she said, I want to be at the first party. When is it? I'm like, um, it's going to be next month. It's going to be in November. She's like, well, call me. Tell me when it is. I'm going to be there. I want to cover it. I'm like, okay. So then I, I'm like, okay, well, I have to throw a party now. And so that's kind of where it all started. It wasn't anything. It was just being the right right place, right time. And I'm just really on a fertility, it's just for me, a fertility awareness mission. And Mm -hmm. I've been working on the logo for, I know this sounds hilarious, for Sperm Whisper and Sperm Freezing Party. So that's coming soon. So I plan on, because I find men are just as ill-informed and uninformed about fertility issues as women. So I have patients where... You know, they say, you know, I would have showed up three years ago, but my husband kept saying, let's keep trying, let's keep trying. Because men think, men don't quite understand the issues that women may have. And just like women sometimes don't understand the issues that men may have. So I, I think that if I maybe start throwing parties where both men and women can come to, mm, I think yeah. it would be helpful. And who knows, maybe we'll have our first egg freezing party, sperm freezing party wedding. i was <laughs> no, <I'm just> kidding. <laughs>
0: That would be awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, and real briefly for just
1: audience knowledge, what were the Apple and Facebook um, decisions that you were? Oh, so with? that they were going to cover egg freezing. And so egg freeze as a benefit for their employees. So egg freezing starts to become a dinnertime conversation for people. And yeah. I think it just, a lot of people didn't even realize up until that time that you could freeze eggs. Um, so I think that's what Facebook and Apple did. It just made it more of uh, something that we could talk about. Um, a lot of people still find it controversial. I don't understand why it would be controversial. Sperm freezing has been around forever, and you don't see anyone protesting the sperm banks or anything like that. Men can make have babies until the day they die because they always make sperm. But women, we don't. We run out of eggs. And just because a woman runs out of eggs, and sometimes it's a woman running out of eggs at 30, it doesn't mean that her desire to, to be a mom has run out. So that's what I'm hoping to do is catch those women before it's too late. So they can ask the right questions, talk to their doctor, And if egg freezing for them is for them, I want them to do it now rather than find out when they're 35 that they probably should have done it, you know, 10 years ago.
0: Right, right. Well, and I think it's so awesome that it started the conversation. It's like such a courageous and loving space that Mm -hmm. this is an okay thing for us to talk about as women. You know, if it's something like I could see people... Even in a dining commons at college, going, hey, have you ever thought about this? What's, what do you think? Do you think you'd do it? Like then you've got it in an awareness space, so it's not, what taboo or (laughs) or something
1: else? Exactly, shame filled taboo. It's still people feel shame. You know, when they come here for the egg freezing consults, there's a lot of tears because they feel like, oh my god, I can't believe this is me. You know, I'm single. I'm 35. I have to freeze my eggs. I'm like no, this is empowering. This is, let's celebrate this. It shouldn't be something that we cry about. It should be something that we get excited about.
0: Yeah. Cause it means in five years and 10 years or whatever, there's,
1: there's, a, there's hope. There's a chance for <laughs> Just, pregnancy for them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that is beautiful. I'm glad that you are out there and spreading that message. How did you get the nickname,
1: the egg whisperer? So it's really funny. You know, I had a patient and we did a few IVF cycles and they didn't work. And she was like, "Kami, this just God is saying I'm not meant to be a mom. You know what I mean? The universe is saying I need to stop now." And I said, "Heck no! I said the universe is saying we don't have. We just didn't get the right eggs. I said don't give up on me." And so she was very skepti- skeptical, but she she built up enough courage to try again. And she was ready. Her head was in it. And she's like, "Okay, I'll try one more time." And with that next time she got pregnant and she got pregnant with twins and she delivered <gasps> healthy full term twins. And so as a gift to me, she actually bought me the domain name egg and she gave it to me as a present. And she's like, you are my egg whisper." And she's like, I don't know what you're going to do with this, but I thought you had to have this. Mm-hmm. And so she actually, um, she works right next door to where I threw my first egg freezing party. And so that night, I had told her about it, and she would seen the press related to it, you know, because I had done some promotions on Facebook. And so she had uh, come to that first party, and she told the SF Gate, SF Chronicle reporter, she said, that's my egg whisperer. And that's where it all came from. You know, people think, Aww. oh, Amy calls herself the egg whisperer. I'm like, no, I don't call myself that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um,
1: that's where the name came from, and it's a very sweet story, and I love her dearly.
0: Yeah. Oh, that gave me goosebumps. That is beautiful. Like, and you, yeah, you can't just assign yourself a nickname. No, so no. yeah, that is a beautiful story. Well, and such hope involved there too, that like, yeah, don't give up. If this is a dream, if this is don't give up. something
1: that you want, you just got to figure out what it's going to take and see if you're willing to do it.
0: Are we okay to talk about the transgender team that you recently worked with?
1: Absolutely. We actually just, um, did interviews with People Magazine
0: So it's going to be (gasps) um,
1: very soon. So I'm very excited about that. Yes.
0: So that work, um, is with Cole Carmen and, um, she's going or has recently, um, gone from female gender to male gender. Correct. Um, and you've been working with her. Would you like, and now him, (laughs) would you like to tell that story?
1: Absolutely. So Cole came to me, um, because, uh, he wants to be a father one day and when you're transgender that it can be a fertility threatening condition meaning when you take hormones or do surgeries obviously you're gonna affect your chances for fertility in the future most men want to have kids most men want to have kids that are biologically related to them Cole actually happened to be adopted but He is a smart, grounded individual, and so he did all the research to find out what he can do to preserve his fertility before he actually transitioned, and he told his mom, and so his mom, you know, called my office and said, I have a transgender teen. Will you take care of us? And I said, absolutely. I met them. They're the sweetest family, and taking care of a transgender teenager, I should say a teenager, regardless of being a transgender person or not, is complicated because teenagers have so many eggs. You have to be very, very Mm. careful and watch them very, very closely. So without the support of family around you, it would be a very difficult procedure to undergo as an 18-year-old unless you had the support um, physically, emotionally, and financially of someone. So Cole has... Um, from the very beginning. He has two parents that absolutely adore him and support him hundred percent. So the egg freezing procedure went very well. We retrieved 40 eggs. Of the 40, 23 were frozen and they remain in storage until he's ready to be a father. And it's not something that he wants to do today or tomorrow, you know, maybe in 10 years. But when that time comes, we'll go ahead and thaw those eggs for, for him create embryos and transfer them to his partner's uterus.
0: I'm so inspired that as a person, he thought about that aspect. Mm -hmm. like what a mature and and lovely decision that this person realizes this is the whole of who I am. I know I want to have children. And so how do I do that? Like thinking out for your future self is so a mark of such amazing maturity. Right,
1: and the critiques are... I mean, I laugh at the comments on... So yeah, they were interviewed by Yahoo News yesterday, and there are over almost 1,100 comments so far on Yahoo News, and they're all negative. And they say horrible things like, if he was really a man, he wouldn't want to freeze his eggs because men don't want to have children. And it's like, eh, no, <laughs> it's not true. No, But I think it just shows that being trans is so rare and very few people actually know a transgender person. So unless you actually know someone or have taken care of them from a from a, as a as a doctor it's it's hard to put yourself in their shoes cuz not many people can relate to not feeling like the gender that they were assigned at birth. But right. as a physician you're taught to just accept everyone and take care of everyone and do no harm from the very beginning.
0: I mean I'd love that you have embraced that wholeheartedly. Right.
1: So thank you. Uh, Of course. And then the other thing about Cole is that his endocrinologist, it's actually his medical endocrinologist, who gave him a pamphlet on uh, egg freezing before he started his first testosterone shot, who said, look, if you start testosterone before you freeze your eggs, you're gonna have a really hard time getting eggs. Mm -hmm. And so then he was like, "Well, I want to start testosterone as soon as possible. I want to start testosterone before I go to college. So everything was lined up. It was like egg freeze, testosterone, you know, top surgery, <laughs> go to college, change name, go to college." So wow, uh, yeah,
0: so much, so much courage and bravery and yeah. love there. It's yeah. just so inspiring. And I guess I'll. Also- For listeners, I'll put the links to NBC Bay Area because I know there's two Mm -hmm. interviews, right, that you guys did. um, And you guys can see the story of Cole. Just
1: so inspiring. Mm -hmm. Um, And his mom is inspiring too. Yes. To get to this point was not easy at all. And I'm hoping that she'll write a book that can hopefully help parents who have kids that may not necessarily fit in so that she can be a beacon of hope for those parents as well and their Mm -hmm. kids.
0: Yeah, yeah, because that's hard. I I can only imagine as a mother, I want to be as open and as accepting as to to whatever comes my way with my son. But yeah, I think that's, that's a hard place to be. Um, Yeah, so how how gorgeous that she was just like, yes, that's what this is. Right. That's, that's who he is. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You also have three, is it three small children? I have three kids, a seven-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. Wow. Yeah. And my son is four, so (laughs) I don't have as many, but I kind of get it. Um, How, in what ways does it change how you approach work, or have you had to rebalance um, how you approach life and work? Is there a balance? I mean,
1: no, there's, well, I think the point is there's no such thing as having it all. I mean, I can't be at every function. I can't be at every every event because sometimes things come up with patients and I have to take care of them. But I have a family around me, you know, my parents live very close by. My husband works shifts, so we've structured it that he only works during the days, during the day and certain days so that he covers everything so that if I'm not there, that at least one of us is there. And we also have live-in help. So that really helps us a lot. So, you know, when I have to wake up at 5.30 to be at a surgery by 6, I know my kids are going to be dressed, have their lunch made, be clothed. You You know, their homework's going to be done. It's going to be in their backpacks. I don't have to get up and worry about those things. I'm very lucky that way. Not all working moms have their lives, have as much help as I do. So without the help that I have, I could never be functioning in the way that I am. I don't go home and figure out what's for dinner. My husband does that, and that's Mm -hmm. just something I'm very I'm very lucky. I I count my blessings every single day that he doesn't call me at work and say, "What are you making for dinner tonight?" In fact, he calls me and he says, "Honey, this is what we're having. You know, this is what I've made for you." And he's a great cook, and he does stir. He and I, I obviously now eat very very healthy, so he cooks very healthy foods for us.
0: Well, sometimes asking for help can feel scary or fearful or whatever. So it's amazing when you can accept it and that's, you know, and recognize the blessing right, of
1: it. Right. And I try my best, I mean, to be out by three, you know, I try to, especially once the school starts, cause right now we're in the summer. Once school starts, I try and um, be the one to at least pick up and as much as possible drop off in the morning and obviously be at all the, as many games and, and you know, important school events that I can. I want to be that mom too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. Are there other things that you would like to bring up? Um,
1: You know, I do want to bring up, I I kind of didn't, there's something about egg freezing party that people don't know. And and while, so I've been, one of the comments that someone made about me is, I I had said in one interview that every day is a party. And someone's like, that's such nonsense. You get home, your kids, you know, make you feel miserable. I'm like, no. I think um, when I graduated from high school, our valedictorian, and Paul, you were probably there gave a beautiful, uh, not our valedictorian, we had a graduation speaker, Aparna, I think uh, Raja Gopal, gave a beautiful speech talking about having a positive mental attitude. And as a gynecologist, as I knew I would be a gynecologist, obviously PMA, PMS, I'll never forget that. And so when I actually give, when I'm asked to speak, I talk to all the groups about having a PMA. And uh, it kind of sticks in a gynecologist's mind. And so when I wake up every single day, I wake up, and it's literally, I mean, I really do this. I wake up thinking that this is going to be my, I'm going to wake up today thinking that this is going to be my last day. This is going to be the last party that I'm going to get to attend. I want to make this the funnest party ever. So I try each day to make things fun for my kids, for, you know, for my patients. You know, I, I wear scrubs every day, but I'm always wearing a sparkly piece of jewelry. So it strikes a conversation. And so I'm not so boring looking also. I think it helps. But, you know, I want to inspire people to, because fertility patients are always living in limbo. They're always like, well, once I get pregnant, then I'm going to take care of myself. Once I get pregnant and have a baby, then maybe I'm going to exercise and, you know, go to therapy. But for me, it's like that day, you know, it may, I hope it happens. I believe it will happen. But we got to take care of you today. We got to live in the moment. And um, that's kind of what I hope that if I can inspire maybe one person to start thinking like that, I think that I've, I've done a good job on this or
0: you're bringing in pieces every day where it could be easy just to wear scrubs, like you're saying or whatever, right. but bring in right. the joy, right? A conversation I had with, one of our mentor coaches is her name is Rachel. Hi, Rachel. <laughs> um, and she said something to me about what if this conversation or this moment is life? How could you make it life-changing? Yeah, and I think that's like there's that's along the similar lines of making the choice to be so present in the moment right. that you're just giving and being joyful or affirming in some way. Right.
1: I want every experience that a patient has in my office to be valuable. I want it to be also efficient, and I want them to leave here knowing that there's hope, there's a chance, and there's a plan, and there's someone here that cares about them. And if I've done that, even if they don't end up getting pregnant, at least they feel like they did everything they possibly could, you know, with whatever they have, egg and sperm, to do that. Mm -hmm. I love that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I just want to, yeah, put that on on a T-shirt and wear it. (laughs) I love it cool. Well, let's jump into the last two questions. Okay. Um, and that would be if someone listening has a big dream about how they could make a change in the world, what advice would you give to them about bringing their dream into action?
1: So I actually have three rules and I was taught these three rules by a mentor that I had in college. His name is Roger Hayes and he's at the University of Riverside, at UC Riverside. And so he taught me that for every decision you want to make in life, you have to go through three steps. So, step 1 is ask yourself what you want and you write it down very literally. What is it? Very concretely. This is what I want. And then the next thing you ask yourself is am I w- what will it take to get what, what I want? And you have to write it down. Cuz otherwise you're going to be dreaming and you know, you don't you can't just dream a dream. You got to actually mm-hmm. you got to do it. And then number 3, you have to look at number 1 and 2 and say to yourself, am I willing to do number two to get number one? Am I willing to do everything that I'm listed that it's going to take to get number one? And if the answer is yes, then go for it. Because if you have a plan in place, you have a dream, and you know what it's going to take, and you know that it's going to be hard work, then I would say do it. But if obviously, if, if you're kind of conflicted, if you're like, well, it might take this, and I'm not really willing to do that, well, then you can't get number one. So you have to be quite honest with yourself and know yourself. And I think going through those three steps for me has helped me in many aspects of my life, not just professionally, but also personally.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to be said about putting the things in writing. I know for my own self, I created what I called the 10 and three, which Mm -hmm. was 10 things I wanted to do over three years. Mm -hmm. And until I had actually, like you said, put it in writing, some of that stuff, it would have, it would have, like the deadlines or whatever would have just kept you know, floating around right. and it's not really a dream in action until you're like, okay, I can see that. Can I do those things? Oh. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Can you think of three ways to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world,
1: or in other people's lives? So I would say jumpstart joy is three things. Well, uh, someone taught me a very dear friend of mine that you want to be so happy in your life that you're almost sparkling mm-hmm. so you want to you know basically let happiness sparkle through you and so i feel like if i can somehow sparkle it doesn't matter like what i feel on the inside but if somehow on the outside i can show that through my actions then for me on the inside i'm going to feel better but then hopefully that will rub off on other people. So I think part of it is, you know, three things just to be live as positive as possible because being an active thinker and being a positive thinker is so important because if you let those daily passive negative thoughts just, you know, crowd your mind, then you can actually feel as bad as those thoughts coming in. So that's, for me, very important. Um, so I would say, you know, be as happy as possible, as positive as possible. Be as active a thinker as possible. I think that really helps you bring joy because you're not letting those negative thoughts in. And then probably the third thing is find people that support and love you, especially in the world of fertility. It's so easy to be judged. You tell your neighbor. She's giving you all sorts of advice. But there's so many forums and groups that you can join that will make you feel like you're not alone. So I think that's important is to get support and love from people that can somehow empathize and support you through whatever journey you're in or going through.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah.
1: Community is so, so
0: important and like-minded community. We really can make a difference right. for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so oh, much, Amy. I'm this coming. is this has been such a joy oh. um, and I feel so lucky. Oh, I'm lucky. Um, And just want to thank you. And thank you for all the good work that you're doing, Um, that you're out there and fighting the good fight is so inspiring. Um, And I just want to send you a big hug and lots of love. Thanks, Paula.
1: And thank you so much. You're
0: welcome. And that's it for today's interview with Dr. Amy. Now, I know at the beginning of the show, I had told you that Dr. Amy was being so amazingly gracious, and offering Jumpstart Your Joy listeners a special discount code if they want to go to one of the two egg freezing parties that are coming up this week. The first one is in San Francisco, and it is on Thursday from 6 to 9 p.m., and the second one this week is coming up on Saturday, September 19th, and it's from 3 to 6 p.m., and that's in Sacramento. So if you are interested, all you have to do to reserve your spot is to head over to eggfreezingparty.com and scroll to near about halfway down the page and click on the event that you would like to attend. The discount code for you guys is E-F-P for Egg Freezing Party, so E-F-P go ahead and put that in in the little section that says, do you have a promo code? And hit apply. And you will see that you have been granted a free registration to one of those two egg freezing parties. So a very special and heartfelt thank you to Dr. Amy for making that possible. I hope that you guys will give it a go, see what it's about, and get to meet Dr. Amy because she's pretty amazing. So a special thank you to all of you for listening this week. And a special thank you to Dr. Amy for making those passes to her two egg freezing parties a possibility for you guys this week. Next week in episode three, I will be interviewing Michelle Ward, the When I Grow Up coach. You guys, you've got to tune in. I've got to say, we had the most fun talking about New Kids on the Block and Debbie Gibson along with some more serious topics such as marketing a small business and diving in around our retreat theme of dream into action. So I hope you will join again next week. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with joy.